you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen. And today's podcast is about stress, which I know is affecting everyone at some point. Some people more than others. Um, Some people can handle it better than others. Personally, it's something that is um, a part, was a part of my life. It isn't so much now, but it was enough of one that it created a lot of physical issues that at some level I'm probably still dealing with and trying to figure out the best ways to get back to where I was before I had all of the stress, which was actually a number of years ago. It was probably, oh, I'd say eight, six to eight years ago. There was about a three-year period in there that life was pretty stressful. Some of it had to do with family. Um, Some of it, well, most of it ended up having to do with family, but a lot of it was also working full-time and not getting enough sleep and, and, and. So there were a lot of, a lot of things. And it's interesting because a lot of them are identified in this article that I was reading, which prompted me to do the podcast on stress today. So one of the things that they talk about is how chronic stress can interfere with cognition, it can make your mood go down and it definitely takes a toll on the health of your heart and the rest of your body. Now, mind you, some stress is actually good for you because it can get you to do more projects It can get your body used to reacting to these kinds of things. The issues come up when it's mostly all stressful and no downtime having to do with it. So a lot of what this article is talking about is that when you do start being in Um, situations, having a lot of situations where you're under a lot of stress, then at that point, well, maybe even before that point, you need to put into your daily um, routines certain things that will help you to lessen and be able to handle that stress. And some of those are things like exercise and 
sleeping seven to eight hours a night. And let's see, doing things like yoga, which is one of the things that they call out, that that's very good for you. Um, and other, there are some other things as well, which is meditation and uh, breathing exercises, getting a massage, um, journaling, things like that, laughing. Um, if you have a pet, then that can also help because that is um, a connection, a physical and loving connection, which you can get that that f- physical warmth and love that really does help in the brain and and also physically. And it was in, it's interesting because one of the other things that they that I was reading was an article about how feeling loved actually boosts your psychological well-being. And it was very interesting because they said that what they call extroversion, which I'd never heard of before, that they say is a personality trait. And that means that you're outgoing, friendly, cheerful, you know, energetic in social situations. And they found in this study that they were doing that the people with lower levels of felt love, which is where, I don't know, your husband, your child, somebody comes up, gives you a hug or, or gives you some other sign of love, that's a felt love. And so the people who had lower levels of felt love also had lower extroversion scores. And they also, interestingly, were more likely to show signs of neuro neuroticism, sorry. And it's kind of also interesting, well, you know me, I always find all this stuff fascinating, that even just a neighbor expressing concern for you and if you resonate with that, and that can be felt with as a feeling of felt love. And they said that in this study, I know I'm digressing, but in this study, they found that if you have more felt love in your life, that then you will also see other things going on in your everyday life in a positive way, and you will also see them as examples of felt love, which in other situations, you might not feel that. And so that makes your sense of well-being go up, which is obviously something that counteracts stress. Okay, so we'll get back to the stress now, but I just thought that was fascinating amazing what people study and how they put together the studies. So, um, it's, it's, 
they were saying in this back to the stress article that an estimated 55 million people in the United States now practice yoga. Remember, we were talking about yoga as a type of, of exercise. Um, and that's up from 15 million a decade ago. And that one third of those practitioners are 50 or older, which is, is quite a lot. But then again, it's kind of a stress, ex- I mean a stress, a slower exercise, and you can build up a lot of strength by doing yoga. And when I finally get my body back to um, where it ought to be, um, and I'm obviously not there yet, my shoulder is still bothering me. So, and I'm sure that the bone hasn't totally, my my collarbone hasn't totally healed. So I'm just kind of waiting it out, and I do a lot of walking to get my physical exercise at this point. So I think I mentioned earlier that a little bit of stress is actually good for you. It's like exercising a muscle. Um, When you do have some stress, then your body knows how to handle it. And so it could be that maybe you are trying to finish a project. You've got a deadline coming up. And so you're able to really buckle down and finish that. Or it could be that you are even more alert while you're driving in heavy traffic. It's those kinds of things that if you get a little bit of stress in your life, that that's that muscle that you are exercising and making stronger. Now, what you don't want is bad stress. And bad stress is not necessarily the kind of stress. It's more the amount of stress. So it's interesting. They have a couple of examples in here. And they were saying that a couple of things that are good news and are good stressors are things like people getting job promotions. You have to do a lot more. You still have stress. You have a little more stress and a little more expectations on you, but that's a good thing. Or it could be that you are having a child or you're having a grandchild, and that's going to put more requirements or more people wanting parts of your time and parts of your day, but you're going to love being able to do that. So that's a good stress. Bad stress or negative stressors, as they call them, are things like um, severe illnesses, a car breaking down, particularly in the middle of traffic, um, an annoying neighbor, you know, who's driving you crazy and keeping you up at night. I mean, there are a lot of things that can be be negative stressors. And when your body is under stress, doesn't matter if it's good or bad, the same things happen. And that is that your body releases stress hormones. And we all know what those are. Those are adrenaline and cortisol. And they produce some physiological changes. And those changes are things that help you in coping with the stress, which you're going to see your body sees as a threat. 
Um, so it goes into this kind of fight or flight response, which makes your heart beat more rapidly and it makes you breathe uh, faster. Um, your muscles get tense. It could even drive your blood pressure up. And once every once all of that has gone and that stress isn't there, that threat isn't there anymore, your body usually just goes back to what is normal for you. But if you are finding that happening a lot or even all the time, then your body doesn't have time to get itself back into what is should be normal for you. And that's what they call chronic stress, which is what I had. So some of the things that those can lead to are, are aches and pains um, from the prolonged muscle tension. They say people get heartburn, hypertension, uh, and have insomnia. Their immune system definitely gets weakened. And in addition to that, it turns out that the mental and emotional consequences can really be devastating with chronic stress. So what you need to do is to remember to back off from these kinds of things and let your body have some time, some downtime to get back to what is normal for you. And when you're feeling stressed, you may also find that you're having trouble concentrating or recalling information that usually you would just like, boom, have it right there in your mind. And it turns out that some of that is explained by looking at what's going on in the hippocampus part of your brain. And that's where most of your memory is. And it's also the region where we make new brain cells. And those new brain cells replace the ones that are dying off. And some of that is just a normal thing in your whole body. You've always got cells that are, that are dying off and they're being replaced with new cells. And in the brain, it's called neurogenesis. And it seems that neurogenesis then is actually affected by too much cortisol. And if you have too much stress, then you end up with a reduction of the memory structure area of the brain. And they say that fortunately, a lot of that is reversible when you get your stress under control. But I can attest to the fact that mine has not totally come back. There are a lot of times when I cannot, for the life of me, think of a word. It'll come to me five, 10 minutes later, but not when I need it, not when I'm talking not when I'm writing. It's, um, it's very irritating. <sighs> oh, well, okay, let's go on with this. So it stress, what it does is even short term, 
you can impair the communication between the brain cells. There was a recent study, I guess, that found that inflammation caused by chronic stress, which we were just talking about, also disrupts the connections between neurons and results in depression symptoms. This is also related to the mechanism of stress on your body's immune response. And so if you if this goes on for a long time, the stress can actually lead to depression or and or anxiety. Um I had a little bit of that. Luckily, I didn't have that. I just kind of fried my memory. So it's one of the things they also point out in here is that in the short term that you may have seen in your own life, which I did, um, or in other people's behavior that you know, that they had stressful episodes and it was they had a lot of irritability, impatience, anger, and or sadness. And I had uh, three out of those four, definitely. Which made me feel even worse because it had a lot of it had to do with my mom. And then a lot of it was just at me as well, which didn't help the stress. So in figuring out what to do to help undo some of these injuries to your memory or your mood or just on a short-term basis. If you're feeling stressed, what you can do to go out there and get rid of that stress and get back to an even keel. One of the biggest things is to get more exercise and you need to get it on a regular basis and it needs to be something that you will do. So if you love yoga, great, do yoga. If you like to play tennis, get a partner, get some people that you can regularly play tennis with or swimming. I have a sister-in-law who loves to swim. Running, a lot of people like to do that and you can definitely do that by yourself. Walking, um, dancing, Tai Chi is really good because you're getting that meditation along with the actual exercise. And you may not think that you're getting a lot of exercise, but there is a lot in Tai Chi of strength and muscle development in doing a lot of those uh, forms that you have to do. Um, let's see, what else are they talking about here? They are saying that even if you just do it for short bursts, you don't have to do long exercise. Maybe you do it two or three times a day just to get the release of those endorphins in the brain helps you as well with getting more sleep. So we all know how that is. If you can get some of that um, built up stress or anxiety or, or whatever in your body, if you go out and exercise, you go out and take a long walk, 
you feel so much better, you feel so much more relaxed. And then when it's time to go to bed, it's much easier to fall asleep because you need seven to eight hours of sleep a night. If you don't get, if you don't, if you say, oh, I don't need that, five hours is fine. There are very, very few people who only need five hours. Now, there are a lot of people who only get five hours and they think that they are doing well. But given the chance, they probably, their bodies would probably keep them asleep for at least seven hours. So don't, you're really fooling yourself if you think, oh, I'm fine on five hours. In the long run, you will see negative results from that. So I think we, I'm not sure if we talked about this, but um, some of the other things that you can do besides yoga, there are breathing exercises. You can do muscle relaxation um, where you relax a separate muscle group one at a time. Massage. Oh, I love massage. Journaling. Um, finding a new hobby, laughing, laughing is incredible. And we all know that pets, having a pet, just petting a dog or a cat, go volunteer at the shelter. If you don't want to actually have a pet, the other thing that you can do is meditation. And there are a lot of different kinds of meditation. There are a lot of guided meditations out there you can go online and find a meditation that works for you. If you don't know where to start, go to the UCLA Mindful app. You can go to their website of UCLA Mindful, or you can just go to the app store and download it. It gives you a lot of beginning and intermediate meditations that you can listen to, put your earbuds in and do it with them. And they are actually in English and in Spanish. So if English is not, if you are a native Spanish speaker, then this is the app for you. It's wonderful, gives you a lot of them to choose from and they're all really good for relaxing and focusing um, and definitely try that. The other thing is that they have found that boosting BDNF, which stands for brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF, and it's a protein that is involved in the development and also the survival of new brain cells. And if you boost BDNF, then that means that you are going to do better in replacing those brain cells that we were talking about earlier. It helps in long-term memory formation and also in stress management and mood management. So it actually helps your hippocampus to make new 
brain cells. That's what we all want. There are a lot of new supplements that I have seen come out in the, oh my goodness, all over at, in all of the, the supplement places where you can buy supplements on Amazon. Um, Bulletproof has one. Um, a lot of them do. And if you look, it'll say that it has neuro, what is it? Neurotrophic, um, I believe. So if you see the, the neurotrophic on there, if it doesn't say BDNF, that's what you want. You can also get it. One of the other things is that boosts it a lot is coffee fruit, not the beans that we all use for our coffee. It's from the coffee fruit. And that can boost your BDNF levels really a lot. You can find all of these on Amazon. And as I say, on oops, on some of the other supplement uh, websites. And it turns out there's some other things. Exercise also makes it go up. So that's good. Get uh, two for one here. And also having more social interactions and intellectual activities, things like going to museums or participating in the arts like theater and concerts, all of those kinds of things also make your BDNF levels go up. As well as it turns out a diet that is rich in fruits and vegetables. Who would have thought? Something that is so good for you in all areas of your life also makes the BDNF go up. And refined sugar makes it go down. So same as it is for everything else. So try and find um, one or more of those things and try and make sure that you keep your stress under control. It's very important. And I'm going to put in a plug here for my own five-day free training that I mentioned on the last podcast as well. But it was called uh, Say Goodbye to Overwhelm. And it's still in the Facebook group that I created. You can go through it on your own. They were all Facebook lives and videos. You can go through it. None of all of them are only 10 or 15 minutes long. And then the little exercises assignments that I gave were about the same. So it's, it's not a lot of time that you need to invest in it, but I do give four, four and a half, um, almost five different tools to use to help you in letting go of overwhelm, identifying it when you, when it starts to happen and how can you not go over the cliff into being in overwhelm. So if you are interested in that, you can go find me on Facebook. Um, it was all over my, uh, my profile. It's in the healthy tips after 50, um, Facebook page. You can find posts about it and otherwise be sure and friend me on Facebook. I'd be happy to send you to the, uh, Facebook group, um, for you to get in there and go through this, the training.
So that's it for today. Uh, as usual, I am not a doctor. This is not medical advice. If you are having any kind of medical issues, please go to your own doctor and get them taken care of. And in the meantime, I will be talking to you next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.